Welcome back. Today we're going to jump into Ruth chapter 1. Last week we kind of took a bird's eye view of the book of Ruth. <coughs> Excuse me. And looked at a few things. Uh, we wanted to um, take a look at what's going on here in Ruth chapter 1 today. And But as we do that, I want you to remember... Um, that there are pictures. Each of the characters in the book of Ruth is a picture of uh, something in, in God, something to do with God. So uh, remember that Ruth is a picture of the church, the Gentile church. Naomi uh, is a picture of Israel, and Boaz is a picture of Christ. And then also remember that the other kinsman uh, that was supposed to be the Redeemer is a picture of Satan and uh, his inability to redeem us but last week uh, we saw uh, Elimelech and, and Naomi leave and we kind of glossed over a little bit of that story but uh, we saw the time frame when all of this was taking place and uh, we saw the mindset of some of the what I believe was the mindset of some of the people involved so today we're going to dig in um, and really try and and see some things out of the book of Ruth. Uh, so Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. <clears throat> and she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two, two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that Ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? For there are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands. Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have and husband also tonight, and should bear also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were born, would ye or till they were grown, would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lift up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother in law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister in law is gone back unto her people, and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. 
For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she lift, left speaking unto her. Let's pray. Father God, we love you again. <clears throat> we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for preserving it for us for all these years. And Lord, we thank you for caring enough to have it guide us. God, we, we don't want to just be Christians, Lord. We don't want to just call ourselves your children. Lord, we want to learn, grow, and walk with you. We want to be your disciples. We want to be your children. So, Lord, please, help us to serve you today. Help us to hear your truth and to show you the honor and glory that you deserve. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes. I want to ask you, uh, Kylion, is is that, had you looked that up and if that was the way it's supposed to be pronounced? Because I've always thought it was Chilion. So I want to be correct whenever I use it. Um, I have not looked it up. Uh, um, I just looked it up in, in the front of my Bible where it has the pronunciation. So uh-huh. C-H, C-H is the same as character. All right, so it should be a K. Okay. And yeah. the the I does have the long, long vowel sound. Okay. So I want to make sure I'm correct. Because I've always said it the other way as well. Yeah. Because so I had taught this one time at the nursing home and the whole book of Ruth, and uh, I was wrong. I was calling it chili on all, no. all the time. Well, I think that Bible names are difficult, <laughs> and Sometimes, I think yeah. even names now people say things a lot different than yeah. they are spelled. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's fine. It actually brought up something that I was going to try and clear up too. Um, so Ruth, because I hadn't figured this out, it tells us in chapter 4 that Ruth was married to Malon and Malon in chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. So Orpah was Kylion's. Just not that it really matters, but get that figured out. So, <clears throat> again, we talked last week, we looked at the overview of this, and we, we saw uh, the time frame in with, in, within all, when all this was happening. And we're going to understand as we get into this that uh, we are looking at lessons in obedience. Uh, we went through the whole book of Jonah uh, looking at the way that Jonah disobeyed God in the hopes that we would learn how to obey God. And through the book of Ruth, we are hoping to learn uh, from Ruth how to obey God by the way that she obeyed Naomi and, and obeyed Boaz and, and followed God without even God really directing. But even in this book of obedience, we see disobedience. And we talked about this a little bit last week that uh, Elimelech and, and his family, they are in complete rebellion against God. And, and 
Um, they, they are fearful because of the captivity, because of the famine. You know, we, we learned last week that this story takes, time, takes place during the time of Israel's captivity, during the time of the judges. And um, we look at the timeline, and it's believed and it's recorded in other places other than the Bible through Jewish history that this took place right around the beginning uh, of, e- of um, Eglon's reign, uh, before Eglon was, was taken out, that all of this happened in that beginning time uh, when Moab was taking over, and that's probably why uh, Naomi and, and Elimelech chose to go to Moab, because they figured, Moab's coming to us, we might as well go to them and try to assimilate ourselves, try and hide and be... Um, in be able to be taken care of. But God is using this time uh, to prove Israel. He's, he's using these nations to, to prove Israel. We learn that in, in the book of Judges that he's trying to get them to understand how to follow him. And these nations were taking everything that they could from Israel. They, they were coming in and they were taking crops and they were taking people and they were burning cities and and they were, they were rampaging all over Israel. And this is a time of great fear. And on, on top of all of this, there was a famine that was brought on by God, which made their crops even less. This is a time where uh, there's, there's not enough food, and then the people that are coming in and conquering are taking whatever they can that's left over. So Israel really is in dire straits right here. And, and it's interesting how... Uh, how often we make choices based on our belly. <laughs> um, you know, we were just talking, Rachel and I were just talking before we started the main service, trying to figure out what we were going to do for lunch and, and uh, what we were going to do for tomorrow. And she made the comment, we need to go get groceries. And I'm thinking, ah, right now is not a good time, obviously, because we have church. <laughs> but it's not a good time because I'm hungry. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever if you do this, but man, when I go to the grocery store and I'm hungry, the cart ends up full of a lot of stuff that I really don't need. Uh, my waistline really doesn't need. But Elimelech is making a choice because he's in fear, because he's hungry. Again, because he just doesn't have faith, because he's not following the Lord. And we understand that when we don't follow God, when we don't truly desire to walk with God, that the world becomes a very scary place. So think back. This is uh, Elimelech. He's he's trying to run into Moab to get away from God's punishment. And this this brings me back to Genesis chapter 4, to Cain. Now, I'm sure you all know the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's first two sons. They were born after the uh, the removal, after the, the issue in the garden, after uh, Adam and Eve were, were expelled from the garden. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. He, he was a farmer. Abel, he raised sheep. And Adam and Eve had obviously taught them something about serving God because in the passage of time, when the time came, uh, they both brought an offering unto God. Cain brought an offering of his, of his fruit, of his vegetables, and Abel brought an offering of the firstling of his flock, the very first, the very uh, pure. 
and of course we know that Cain Cain's offering was rejected because it was the wrong offering because it was made with the wrong heart because uh, it was not the proper worship that God requires and Abel's offer was was accepted it was it was loved and cared and it was a, a sweet smelling savor to God and Cain uh, again <laughs> it's, it's funny how all these things tie together but it's not funny it's God but Cain didn't know how to deal with failure. Cain didn't know how to deal with God rejecting his offering, and he got mad. Instead of humbling himself and understanding, yes, I did wrong, I'm sorry, I apologize, and getting right, he gets mad and he goes and he kills his brother. And... Again, he took out the person that would be able to help him. It doesn't make sense. But uh, Cain kills his brother. And then we have this conversation between God and Cain. And, and God gives Cain his punishment. It says that he's going to have to be, he's gonna be a vagabond. He's going to go and, and he's going to have to leave. And, and uh, Cain's words when he hears the punishment is, My punishment is too great for me. It's too hard, Lord. And he, he leaves and he goes into, uh, God has mercy on him and, and puts a mark on him and, and protects him. And, but Cain goes out into the, into, goes away from the presence of the Lord and, and dwells in the land of Nod and on the east of Eden. And he uh, has his wives and, and they begin to build the cities and they begin to uh, serve something other than God. Understand that Cain because he didn't know how to deal with punishment, because he didn't know how to deal with failure, because of his pride, he left the Lord's presence. Elimelech is doing the same thing. God is punishing Israel. God is teaching Israel. God is trying to show them the proper way. And Elimelech is scared and, and doesn't know how to deal with it. And he leaves. He runs away from God. But we also need to understand that God allowed this. We looked a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Uh, we began to see that we often fail to live up to the perfect expectation of God. Now understand that, that the book of Judges, that the book of Ruth, none of this was ever supposed to be God's perfect will. It is, it, it is not, absolutely not, God's perfect will. It's not what God had for Adam and Eve. God's plan, again, for Adam and Eve was to uh, become one as a family, to raise their children, to love and serve God and follow God, and for God to have fellowship with them for the rest of their lives, which were to be eternal. I mean, Adam lived 900 years. He was not supposed to die. It wasn't until the sin, until he sinned, until he willingly disobeyed God that that death came into play. He was supposed to live forever. But he was supposed to live forever walking with God. But God allowed all of this because he wants man to choose to serve him. He wants man to volunteer 
to walk with him. To love him. To be his child. And there, there's no better example of this than the book of Job. Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2. When, when Satan comes and, and he's uh, with the sons of God, presenting themselves before God. By the way, Satan had to obey God. He had to come and present himself. He had to enter into God's presence. He wasn't just free to do whatever he wanted. And God presents Job before Satan and says, See my servant Job. And again, Satan says, Job only serves you because you protect him. He only serves you because you've given him so much. And God allowed Satan to take from Job. He allowed Satan to bring evil into Job's life. But he only allowed him to do so much. The permissive will of God. God couldn't find a man during this time to raise up as a judge, so he chose Deborah. I believe that uh, Elimelech and Naomi were absolutely going outside of the will of God. It was God's plan for them at this point when he is trying to teach that they would stay put that they would turn to God and face Him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, we failed you, and turn their hearts to Him. God tells us, uh, I didn't think of this, so I'm going to take a minute to look it up real quick. Um, it is in Chronicle or Chronicles. Second Chronicles 7.14. Second Chronicles 7 and verse number 14. This was, uh, it's brother, I think it's brother Van Geldren, uh, put this, this verse to song, and it's stuck in my head. He's presented it at fellowship a couple of times, but. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them from heaven, or hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and will hear their land, heal their land. That's God's plan for the book of Judges. That's God's plan for this time in Ruth. He wants Israel to turn and seek him and and they do but then they walk away again and they do and then they walk away again but he wants it to be an everlasting thing Elimelech and Naomi uh, run but God allowed it we have to understand that that God allowed it because again of Ruth you know, Paul, uh, he is, as he's on one of his missionary journeys, I can't remember which one it is, but he wants to go to Asia. He wants to go preach the gospel in Asia. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying and God won't open the door and let him go. And he has a dream and he sees the man of, from Macedonia that says, come. So Paul goes to Macedonia. Philip. 
Philip was teaching and preaching and he was carried away and put in front of the Ethiopian eunuch. Paul and Silas were taken and put in prison in front of the Philippian jailer. All of these happened for very specific people. Very specific reasons. Elimelech and Naomi, while they are going away from God's will and God's, God's path for their life, God allows it because over in Moab, in, in Moab is Ruth. And God sees Ruth for who she is. Again, Ruth was a Moabite. She should have never been anywhere near Israel. She's a descendant of Lot, who, while he was a just man, had to be removed from Abraham's life before the promised son Isaac could be born. But God saw something in Ruth. Because he sees all people. He doesn't just see his chosen people, his chosen children. He doesn't see just Abraham's seed. He sees all of us. That's why, for God so loved the world. Again, it was never God's plan to separate Israel and the rest of the world. There was never supposed to be two different people. There was never supposed to be all of these different languages. We know back in Genesis when Noah and his children came off of the ark, they all spoke the same language because they all talked to each other. But we know that the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth began to build the Tower of Babel to reach up to heaven, to become gods themselves. And it's then that God came down and separated all of them out and confounded the languages and made it so they couldn't talk to each other. And we've been fighting against that ever since. But that was never the plan. But God saw Ruth. And in Ruth, he saw a virtuous woman. A woman who would bring forth children that would be taught about him, that would teach his, their children and their grandchildren. We know that it's through Ruth that David is brought, is brought forth. I'm still shedding. Cut my hair yesterday and I've got hair down my undershirt. That's itchy. Anyway, sorry. Get off on that topic. Um, it's through Ruth and Boaz that, that Obed is born, that Jesse is born, that David is born. David, who will be the greatest king of Israel. David, who was a man after God's own heart. David, who through his lineage will be, will Christ will arrive. The Savior of the world. Again, David, by no stretch of the imagination, is perfect. But David is a man that did everything he could to follow God. And when he got lost, he, got, he came back. But back to Elimelech and, and Naomi, they're, they're running. And because of this, they are going to be in they're going to end up being dead men 
Elimelech and Malon and Kyleon, they're going to die. They're going to die in their sin. They're going to die out of their place, out of the promised land, away from God. But we understand that there's a lineage. That the most important thing to God is His Son, is His family. And that is passed from man to man to man. Boys, your children are always going to be Beers's. Abby, <laughs> we have no idea what name your children are going to take. We don't. Because you're going to get married and they're going to take your husband's name. You're going to take your husband's name. That lineage, that heritage is to be passed from father to son. The Jewish line is passed from one generation to the next through the son. The land that each family was given in the promised land was to be passed down in the same way. And Elimelech has just tossed that out the window. Elimelech is willing to give up his land and is now passing on a heritage of disobedience and fear to his sons. God can't let this stand and he takes Elimelech's life. And Malon and Kylion, they weren't taught properly. They were taught fear. They were taught disobedience. They weren't taught God. They, they followed their father's footsteps and took wives of Moab they continued that heritage of disobedience and it had to be stopped but that line still had to carry on God didn't want that family line to die out so again because he can't find faithful and righteous people that should be faithful and righteous he brings in someone who shouldn't be. And he brings in Ruth. Again, Ruth is a picture of the church. She's a picture of all of us who are saved and willing to serve the Lord. And she's brought in to continue that family line. And understand, that's why we were brought in. That's why Christ went to the cross. The kingdom was offered to Israel. And Israel rejected it. And God went outside of that and offered it to the Gentiles, to all those that would show themselves faithful by accepting the gift of His Son. We are to continue the line. We are to continue to pass on that lineage of God. It's because of Ruth's faith and heart that she's allowed to return with Naomi to Israel. Because don't forget, there was Orpah. Orpah was a daughter-in-law too. But Orpah's faith failed. She began to return with Naomi. And when Naomi pushed, she left. Ruth clave. She held on with everything she had. And she proclaims in verse number 16 
For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee in me. The only thing that was going to keep Ruth from fulfilling her promise was death. And yet, she's following Naomi. Naomi, in verse number 11. I'm sorry, not verse number 11. Um, verse number 13. Would ye tarry for, for them till they, are, they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. She's grieved that the hand of the Lord is against her when she is completely outside of God's will. When it's her fault that she's there. Ruth, she was different. She was willing to follow through completely. We see, uh, we see in Ruth the bride of Christ. We see in her uh, the vows that we as husbands and wives took. She promised to be with her husband until death parted them. And now that her husband was gone, she does the same for her mother-in-law. Oh, that we still had that steadfastness of heart today in our society. Everything has become a throwaway. I, Brother Grant and I, and the kid, the boys, as we've been working on the roof, we've been, they've been uh, checking out Jesse's cars and uh, looking back at, at all those, being able to fix them and, and keep them and pass them on. Jesse's got a, car, a truck right now that he's working on that him and Malachi are working on that was his dad's that. Uh, has been passed down to Jesse and then it's going to be passed down to Malachi. And the newer vehicles, you just throw it away. They weren't made to be worked on. Instead of leave and cleave, now today it's leave and find something new. It's no wonder that in chapter 4, uh, of the book of Ruth, the women of the city call Ruth a virtuous woman. There's only a couple named in the Bible. A couple women that would be considered virtuous women. But it's this steadfast and unmovable heart that God wants to pass down to the next generation. It's this heart that ended up in David that made David a man after God's own heart. And it's this heart that God seeks today. He didn't see it in Elimelech. He didn't see it in Malon. He didn't see it in Kylion. He wasn't seeing it in Israel. So instead he had to go to the Gentiles and find hearts that are willing to follow him wherever he leads.
today. Today, he's still seeking that heart. Today, for us, we have chosen to take Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have chosen to to follow Him. But unfortunately, we still, like Peter, fear. And we still get out of the way. I think I've told this story before. But growing up, we had... Dad had horses, and we used to go trail riding. We'd go out to South Dakota, out to Custer State Park, and we'd go down to Eminence, Missouri, and, and we'd spend a week just riding in the backwoods. And, and uh, But I was, I was a bored teenager, and uh, I wasn't happy just following right in line. So I would have to get out and about and make my own path. And many times I would find myself getting into a place where I was just plain stuck and I couldn't get back to where I needed to be I'd have to turn around and lead my horse back sometimes I'd have to get off and walk my horse back until I could get to the path that we'd been on to catch back up with everybody else God's just asking us to follow You know, we, we have great days, we have mountaintop experiences where we feel like we've never been closer to God. And then life comes and we go down into the valley and we feel like we can't see God in any direction. But the valley is where life is. It's where the plants grow, it's where the animals are. And the valley, those trials and those troubles in our lives are the things that make us seek God. So today, let's purpose in our own heart, as Daniel did, that he wouldn't defile himself, but that we would seek God with steadfast, that the only thing that would part us is death itself. And death can't part us anymore if we're saved. Death just brings us that much closer. But let's purpose in our hearts to follow God each and every day with everything that we have.